restorative leadership. In the pandemic, it requires working with school staff and district staff, especially when there's so many of those directives coming your way from public health and education ministries and from districts. Join us for this week's podcast. Here are your hosts, Shelley, Steve, and me, Stan. to get together again this week and we have some interesting stories to talk about connected to leadership particularly in pandemic times and Steve you've had a number of conversations over the years and recently about leadership that you might like to share yeah just reflecting on the leadership model like the social discipline window as it as it applies to leadership and I, you know, I've had conversations with a lot of colleagues, you know, this time of year school's starting up and I'm texting and emailing colleagues and calling them former colleagues, how's your year going? And was talking to a former colleague of mine who has taken over a new school, as a lot of them do, because there's that always that shuffle. And anytime you go into a new school, you want to get a sense of how, you know, how did things run before? You don't want to change too much too soon, but you want to get a sense that, you know, let's continue on. But unfortunately, we're in a time, a pandemic time, where there's some very hard and fast rules and they change all the time. And when you're the new person coming in, you may have to lean on some very, you know, autocratic decision making that other people have done. And so, you know, this friend of mine said, well, we have to, you know, talk about the new protocols in terms of mask wearing and what the expectations are for cohorting and all those things that we're getting somewhat, unfortunately, getting used to in school. We found out that you know, previous administration hadn't put an awful lot of emphasis on the hard and fast rules, such that this friend of mine was starting to get pushback from the staff saying, oh, we haven't done it that way before. No, we just decided we didn't want to do that. No, the, the previous principal thought it was okay if we did it this way. And of course, you know, in the first two weeks started seeing all these examples of not wearing the proper masks, not wearing masks at the right time, um, eating all eating lunch together in one room when they're supposed to be signing in and out. There's a whole lot of pr- protocols around all that kind of stuff. And they weren't following a lot of them because the previous administrators thought it was, yeah, it's kind of over the top. We don't need to do that kind of stuff. Um, and found out through some discussions that, you know, a lot of times the previous admin tried to put those in place, but got so much pushback from the staff, figured it was just easier just to not worry about it. And so let it go very non-confrontational but other things started popping up it wasn't just about protocols and masks it was about teaching schedules and who's doing duty and when and found out that this was a person who was very non-confrontational didn't like confrontation with staff it sounds to me like maybe the staff knew it and it's you know if we don't like it we just have to push back a bit and the person will just back off and we'll get what we want and so there was a lot of very loose uh, expectations around even arriving on time in the morning and leaving at the end of the day, all those things that as a leader, as a principal, you have to be on top of those things and found out it wasn't there and found out there was a lot of, you know, you know, I can't, I can't do my duty today because I'm coaching a team. Oh, I'll do that for you. And just, you know, covering up for them, uh, you know, letting them go to appointments early and then they're gone the half a day and other people are covering and not, never paying back those lost preps. And, you know, it's, it was a very loosely run organization, but the staff were quite happy because they kind of, the expectations were we can kind of do it if we feel like it. And if we don't like it, we can argue and then we'll eventually get to do it anyway. So it was really much in the not box in terms of leadership. So now my friend has gone in and, and is trying to, you know, 
follow these protocols and, and enforce some of these expectations and is getting a lot of pushback, but sticking to their guns and saying, well, no, no, this is the way it's going to be. And I'm sorry. And it's only now in this week I was talking uh, with them and found out that, you know, some of the staff are actually kind of saying, well, it's kind of about time we tightened up and there's, I never really felt safe about that anyway. And, and so I think there's an appreciation that maybe, a little bit more control not to say that this is an autocrat authoritarian kind of person i'm going to go they're going to run it my way because i know my friend and he's very much a restorative approach person saying okay let's talk about this and what are we all going to do and there's a lot of with there going on but some of these rules it is it is authoritarian and i'm sorry the ministry says public health says we just have to do it and i'm just the messenger but i have to follow up so i just found it interesting as i as i sat and talked to him it, my all I could vision in my mind was the 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 social discipline window and the not box and the four box and how the rest of the staff must have felt when there was very little expectations. The the word safety came up, you know, it, it was an interesting sort of reflection on leadership style during pandemic. I can only imagine I'm I'm, I'm going out on a limb here, but I can only imagine that probably the leadership style was very similar before the pandemic too. Um, you know, I don't want to confront you. I don't want to get in a fight with you. If sounds okay. Just do it your way. And uh, like some, like I say, staff think they're in a great situation, but not all staff think they're in a great situation. There needs to be an expectation. There needs to be some rules and some understanding. And they just didn't have that. So can I can I just say two words? Yeah. Holy smokes! <laughs> yeah. Wow. Yeah. Uh, I mean, we're in a pandemic for a reason. <laughs> Yeah. We're actually in a fourth wave right now. And uh, it's situations like this that actually keep it going, right? Yeah. I yeah. mean, but let's just talk about the, the leadership style and what it feels like uh, a little bit to be led that way. Shelly, any thoughts about what it would feel like to be in that, in the knot or the four box there? Sure. You know, it, when somebody's operating in the knot box, that really means that they're neglectful in many ways and that they're not involved with what's going on. Maybe they don't come out of their office. Maybe they don't challenge when it needs to be challenged. That also means they don't support as mm -hmm. well when staff needs support. So that leaves people. And if you can reflect on a time when you've been under leadership that somebody's in the not box, that often leaves people feeling unsafe, as you've heard Steve say, um, not sure of what they should be doing they become less engaged in their, their job. And as a result, this all trickles down to the students as well, right? Mm -hmm. Because they may feel kind of frozen by not sure of what the next move is because I don't have clear leadership on this. So either there you'll see informal leadership coming up that may not be what you want happening, or you'll see people frozen and just not doing anything at all. So then now that happens in the classroom as well. So it's a very unsettling place to be under a leader. That's in the not and the other part of it, and I, I'm not, it's not in this situation with this person, but I've had other colleagues and I've had known other people in other schools that, um, you know, when you operate in the not box and you're in the office, you know, the leaders in the office a lot. And the like you say, the staff step up and start to create, fill the void with the leadership. The other part of leadership that principals have to do is the evaluations of staff. And if they're kind of that person that just doesn't want to rock the boat and make, you know, hard decisions, everybody gets a great evaluation. So if you're a relatively new teacher and you've had this person for two, three, four years and they're evaluating and they say, you're great, I must be a great teacher. And all of a sudden you're probably, that teacher is now probably doing things that maybe aren't so great. 
but no one's ever told them that. And so they're going to be in for a bit of a, an awakening when somebody else comes in and says, what are you doing that for? How, how did you arrive at that pedagogy or that lesson plan or whatever? Well, my previous principal thought it was great. He thought it was fantastic. So, you know, sometimes by not doing things and not wanting to rock the boat and just simply rubber stamping things or saying everybody's great, you're perpetuating some very bad um, pedagogy or teaching styles or activities that the next person comes along has to inherit and say, well, wait a minute. No, no, this is, and, and now you're, you're, you're into that bashing of heads with somebody over it. So you're also taking the opportunity away from that perhaps new teacher or seasoned teacher to learn. Mm-hmm. I mean, that is the position of a, that, that is what the leader is supposed to be doing also is That's guiding right. and teaching. And so just by rubber stamping something or saying it's mm-hmm. wonderful, you're taking away that opportunity from them to, to, learn something new and, and grow as a professional. And I think that there are, there's more than one person in a school who doesn't like conflict, right? Uh, I mean, a lot of folks, you know, our default position is conflict avoidance. So let's talk a little bit about how restorative practice can actually help us deal with, okay, we get this thing that's a hard and fast rule that you have to do and I don't like conflict, how can restorative practice help me as a leader to kind of address those two things, whether it's at a school level or a classroom level? Thinking about, uh, while Steve was talking, I was thinking about if I was a leader coming into that situation, that that's what people have been experiencing before, I think I would start with the fair process process, right? Understanding what's been happening, um, be clear on what expectations are, and then, uh, but hear what people have experienced already. So you're not just coming in to, you know, lay down the law and have pushback. You have a better understanding what's been happening there, explain what needs to be happening, and then how are we going to move that towards that together? And then people are going to work with you a little more that way. Yeah, I, I was going to, I was saying, thinking the same thing, fair process. Let's start off with that. Uh, it, it, we are in an un an unusual time in that the the principals are now messengers and of you know other people's directives and they're simply passing along and so you need to have that discussion because I'll, I'll be honest a lot of you know I was working in a school last year and we get these directives from either from the board or the public health or the ministry and I would pass it along and people would start arguing with me and I kind of look at it and say well I'm just the messenger don't don't argue with me so it took a lot of explaining to people this is where it came from. This is what we're expected to do. We just have to do it. And, you know, but I'd have to sit down and explain to them. It's not me saying this. I'm just the one passing it along. So if you've built up a good rapport with your staff and they understand that, you know, that situation, they're more likely to say, okay, we have to do it because the ministry said, or whatever, right? It's not about the principal suddenly deciding, oh, by the way, you're all going to have to sit six feet apart now because I said so. And I, I think in that too, it's helpful because what you're what you're talking about, first of all, Shelley, you're talking about giving everybody an opportunity to talk about how things were last year. And what you're talking about, Steve, is the the second E, which is the explanation, mm-hmm. right? And I think that the more human we can be if we're in the role of principal to say, look, I'm not happy with this either. This is going to make things more difficult, or this is really, really challenging. These are the this is the arena that we're working in. These are the these are the fences that we've been given. Uh, let's talk about how it how it's going to impact us. And now, given that that's where the fence lines are, wh- what are we going to do together to make sure we stay inside that that fence line? Right, those expectations. 
Right. It's okay to talk about the challenges because, you know, there's a directive and we will have some challenges with that. So how as a group can we, uh, you know, mitigate those challenges, make it more, you know, user-friendly, if you will. But it's not not saying that here it is. We don't get to discuss it. Yes, people will have challenges with it. Yeah. We still need to follow this. Oh, but how and, can we we do this as a group? And and there is some there is a lot of school based decision making around even directives from the public health because that every school layout is a bit different. The way the classrooms are set up and the number of kids and the doors that come in and out and there's a whole lot of decision making around. You know, okay, we have to all eat in separate lunchrooms. Where are those lunchrooms going to be? What are the obvious rooms that we're going to set up as these separate lunchrooms? Let's talk about that. So you can't, there is opportunity to give staff input into some of these seemingly inflexible directives because a lot of it is site-based decision-making around how do we implement this rule? So we can bring that together. But so if you're in a school that basically says to the staff, well, you tell me what you want to do and I'll make it happen. They'll they'll come up with some solutions that probably aren't going to fit the mold, but if you if you've been in a school and you've established a really good fair process working relationships with your staff where you involve them in these things, those kind of things happen very easily and quickly. Okay, we have to have a meeting. It's going to be by Zoom, but we can still figure it all out. And you know, when school starts, we're ready to roll. So you know, I I just kept thinking as I was hearing that story, I was thinking of other times in the past where I've been in schools. Uh, or heard of other staff members, you know, other principals or leaders who are very much in the not box. And what staff appreciates most of the new person coming in is that they're out walking around getting to know people. And and maybe you have to be six feet apart with a mask on now, but you're at least out trying to greet people and, and talk to them and get to know them. Not having them come to you in the office, but go to their classrooms or talk to them in the hallway or go to on yard duty and talk to the kids. So that that whole relationship building piece is such an easy, quick thing that anybody can do going into a new school that might be different than the previous person. It might be exactly the same. Maybe the previous person was great that way too. So continue on with that um, because we know that once you've established good positive relationships with staff, when the when the hard decisions come around, they're more likely to be involved in decision with it and then also follow those decisions because they know you. I thought it was interesting that you mentioned that some of the staff, when the expectations were increased or at least everybody was expected to follow them more this year in terms of COVID protocols that that there there are going to be people in the organization who will say it's about time and you'll find that in a classroom as well that they for some reason they've lost their voice in the conversation they've lost their voice in the staff room or as a student they've lost their voice in the classroom and students too will say well I'm glad somebody is you know, enforcing the rules, or I'm glad somebody's in charge, or what, whatever it happens to be, because you can't stay in that not box for very long. And you know, I just picture somebody running, doing all these things for for everybody, um, and basically just working yourself completely into uh, you know a stress leave or something like that, right? And it is often the quiet voices, and often the majority that is quite happy to have that kind of leadership, you know, back in place where it's very clear what's expected and then how are we going to make that happen? What's my role in that? It isn't the majority that wants things to just run as we want it. We just don't hear those voices until somebody else steps back in 
and provides that structure, then those voices come forward. But it hasn't been safe before to say, hey, I need that direction. And so now as we kind of look back on this conversation about restorative leadership and an example of where things have gone off the rails, what would be a practice that we would recommend in terms of restorative leadership that comes out of our conversation? Well, I think Jelly and I both talked about fair practice and fair process. I think that's the first thing. But I, I think even before that, if I was a new person going into a, a school, um, you know, it's build relationships. Start to build those relationships one-to-one with your staff and even your students for that matter. But with your staff, you got to get to know them as quickly as you can. They have to get, start to get to know you too. But, um, you know, it's, it's overwhelming when you take over a, a school, brand new school. It's even probably doubly or triply overwhelming during COVID. Um, you know, and I've got, I've gotten into school of, you know, six, 700 kids with 70 or 80 staff. And the first thing you do is start getting to know your staff. That's before you start making those big decisions, make the little ones you have to do. But, um, but even when you have to make the little ones, start asking around. I, I remember going into a school brand new. And a parent's in my face, why isn't my kid in that class with their friend? I was told that they would be in the class with their friend and they're not. And what are you going to do about it? This is the first day of school. So I'll let you know tomorrow. And then immediately start talking to a bunch of teachers. Tell me what the decision was around why this kid was placed where they were. I need to know all the details. So talk to people and get to know. I could have quite easily said, oh, you're absolutely right, ma'am, and moved the kid and never talked to anybody. But what does that say to the staff now? So my thought was, I'm not going to make a decision today but I want to talk to the staff first and I'll call you tomorrow and let you know tomorrow what my decision is. So, you know, little things like that, just start to work more with people right from the get go, rather than just make those decisions on your own. And for me, um, as somebody who has worked under a number of changes of leadership over the years, the leaders that have come in and been open to hear how things have operated previously or last year, um, and where people's roles are. So, and then, you know, create an understanding of this is the direction we're moving now towards as a department, as a school, but they've understood what strengths we're already bringing to it, not discounting that there was nothing good happening here already and I need to fix it all. So it's, it's a, and then I'm ready to work with that person and understanding that things will change, but they also understand what I'm bringing to the table. And that really summarizes what I would say, and that is, implement a fair process to, first of all, engage people in conversation for an opportunity to have their say, to explain the reasons for whatever it is, set out the vision, and then set out some expectation clarity. There's fair process right there, three E's. And how about this topic and student attendance and engagement? That's our theme for the year. How would you connect those? So if you, if you don't have staff who are engaged, you are not going to have students that are engaged. So it's a trickle-down effect. If they're not feeling that the staff are engaged in their job and their work, then that sense of belonging is not going to be there for the students either. Yeah, and I would say for, you're right, kids need to feel comfortable in their classrooms and in their school. And the ones that don't feel comfortable or safe are, are going to start to drift and we'll start to see attendance issues and late issues and all those things coming up. And so, it, it, as Shelly says, if the staff are, if the leadership of the school is somewhat in the not box and staff are allowed to start to chart their own course and do their own thing it's not gonna be long before the kids start to say hey we can do what we want to do in this class and mrs so-and-so next door they're doing something different than us and we're allowed to wear hats and chew gum and they're you know all these kind of things the rules start to break down and if kids don't feel safe in that environment 
then they're not going to come to school. And so we ultimately kids, kids feel when they feel safe and they are engaged in their academic work, they will come to school. I mean, it's, we know that, but if they're not safe, if it's a classroom where, you know, kids are allowed to run around and, you know, other kids are, are picking on other kids and the teacher never notices or whatever, those kids aren't going to want to come to school in that classroom. And I would add that staff absenteeism Mm -hmm. impacts student absenteeism as well. So look at staff absenteeism, even staff turnover, because that can have a huge impact on whether or not your students are attending and whether or not your students are engaged. Leadership has been challenged in so many ways during the pandemic. Some things you can do to start with are things like get to know your staff, listen first to understand their strengths, and use a fair process with the three E's, engagement, explanation, and expectation clarity. Want to find out more about how restorative leadership can be developed? Check out our website link in the podcast or just go to circleforum.ca. Drop us an email to stan at restorative.ca and let's keep the conversation going.